This morning as we continue to look at the topic of faithfulness, and thank you worship team, what a, another time of wonderful worship. So enjoy basking in that with you all. Glory to God. We're going to continue in our series of faithfulness here, but we're taking just a little side trip as we prepare for Resurrection Sunday. We're going to take a look at some things that deal with faithfulness in light of that, but we're not actually in the resurrection story. We're looking at some other aspects of this. And so we're going to be over in the book of Ruth here today. As I was looking over some some notes for this, I noticed that we've never really taken Ruth part uh, verse by verse and uh, had some fun with it that way, and we're not going to do it today. And um, that's a hard thing for me to do because I'm going through, oh, I want to dig into that. Oh, yeah, I got this part over here. And uh, there's all these different kinds of things that we can get into. So we're going to skip by a whole lot of it just so that we can take a look at the, the things that matter for us in relationship to the resurrection of Jesus Christ and, of course, Palm Sunday here as well. But in Ruth chapter 1, that's where we're going to start. Ruth was a foreigner, and she was so distinguished and so faithful in changing from the gods that she served with the Moabs the Moabites, to serving the God of Israel. She was so faithful that she made the Word of God. A foreigner made the Word of God and made it into the very lineage. Thank you, Brother Victor. Made it into the very lineage of Jesus. We're going to take a look at what set this woman apart because we're going to be able to discover some great principles to help us in this. So with, with that Ruth chapter 1 and verse 1, now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land and, there were, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to dwell in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. Now this is the struggle that I run into. You see, if, if we were teaching on Ruth right now, I would be breaking down for you when Ruth was written, what judge it was probably under, what situations they were likely facing, <laughs> what the relationship was between them and the Moabites, and we probably not even get out of verse 1. <laughs> but we're not going to do that. <laughs> we're going to stay with, with what we, uh, what we have to get into here. But there was a famine in the, in the days of the judges. Now we know that most of the days of the judges, they weren't following after God. They weren't doing very well in there. And so famine came as a result of judgment that God brought to them to bring them back to the things of God. One of those judgments came at the hand of Moab. So let's go on here. There was a certain man of Bethlehem. Remember what town he came from? Bethlehem, Judah, who went to dwell in the country of Moab. He and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech and the name of his wife was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Mahlan and Shalion. Now, again, you see the teacher part of me would come out in this thing and I would want to break down for you the names of these two boys. I'm just going to run it out for you. There's been a whole lot of research done on this. The one name seems to mean sickness and the other one seems to mean it's over. How'd you like to name your boys? Sickness and it's over. That doesn't sound too good. So you got to wonder what kind of condition were they born in? I don't know. See, I wasn't allowed to engage that aspect of it. But if we were in a Ruth series, we'd be breaking down the boys right now and probably the second week we'd get out of verse 2. Just, just letting you know some of the internal struggle I sometimes go through with, uh, with some of this. But the, uh, we had the name of the man, we got his wife, we got the two sons. And they went to the country of Moab and remained there. So here's the, here's the dilemma. We don't have any food here. So we want to go somewhere. Where should we go? Where should we go? You know, I hear people talking about the United States all the time. The United States is, is bad. I say it's awful. We got actors who are threatening to leave because of if this one gets elected or this one's in office or if this thing happens, we're out of here. And a lot of times we all say, go. See ya. But really, if you, if we lose freedom here in this country, where would you go? Think about that. Where would you go? What other country would you pick right now to go to? Now, maybe somebody's coming up with something. I've thought about it. And you think about this one, and well, this was a God-fearing country. Now, they're, now they have violence. This one wasn't a, a prosperous country. Now, there are people 
have no food? President Ronald Reagan, who's one of my favorite presidents, he said, America is the last beacon of freedom in this world. I thank God for America. And I know we got some problems and I got some things that aren't going as well as they could be. But where would you rather be? <laughs> I'm glad we're, we're here. But this is a question they had asked. Where should we go? Now remember, when Abraham was faced with that, he comes down to Israel and there's famine. Where does he decide to go? Let's go to Egypt. He goes down to Egypt. That didn't work out so well. These folks went down to Moab. Apparently, it didn't go out so well, well either. But they must have at least had food. So they're they're over in the land of Moab, and they took wives of the women of Moab. Well, they didn't bring any Israelite women with them. So if they're going to get married, they're going to get married to some Moabite women. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other was Ruth. I mean, when you look at all the Bible names that are in the Bible, how do you come up with Ruth? I mean, really? We got some really long names in there, some names we're trying to look up, you know, what's this mean? And then we get Ruth. I wonder if she ever faced this, you know, when she was in there. What's your name, Ruth? Man, that is a boring name compared to what all the other ones are. I mean, the other ones you have a hard time even pronouncing. But it's a good name. And it means good things. You know a Ruth? It's a good name. And she's a, a tremendous example for us in the Word of God. It says they dwelt there for ten years. Then they uh, both then both Mahalan and, and Chilin died. So the women survived her two sons and her husband. So they go on down to this land to get some food. And in the course of it, the husband dies. Then they're there for ten more years. They have the, the wives... And um, and then they die, and there's no chi- apparently there's no children. They don't have any kids. Now, what would you make you make you think that these two sons who took wives and they were young young women, um, they have no kids? The idea was to have kids back then. You know, it's cheap labor. <laughs> See, you had lots of kids. Because you've got to have people to go out in the field, bring in the water, bring in the firewood, you know, uh, take care of the field, do, do all that sort of stuff. That's what you have kids for. <laughs> I remember one story I was hearing, um, uh, Brother Keith, he was talking about that, uh, somebody had blessed him with a new car and they took the car on over and he says, now we're going to take that on over and we'll go over to my house and, um, we're, we're going to wash that car for you. And we're going to detail that car. And so he took it on over to his, his house. And, and so Brother Keith, you know, he's excited. And he was, he was getting a sponge in a bucket. And he says, oh, no, no, no. You sit down right here. That's what I had them boys for. <laughs> it's the same idea here. So um, they died. So the Naomi's by herself. And she got the two daughters-in-law. Let me go on to verse 6. What I want you to see here in the first five verse is that their situation here is kind of bleak. It's kind of bad. How many have ever been in a bleak situation where everything seems bad? Where you are seems bad. Where you go seems bad. When you get there, bad things happen. People that you weren't expecting to died. People that you weren't expecting to left you. People you weren't expected to didn't help when you thought they would. You kind of anticipate, I got this over here, but that didn't happen. Things are bleak. Situation's bad. We get to verse 6. Then she arose with her daughter-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. Well, she heard. Word came. God has visited them and given them some bread. Now, what came before every single time that God... Uh, took care of the famine or the pestilence or whatever it was. What came before every time God did that for the land of Israel? Repentance. A judge came, was raised up, and uh, and then good things began to happen again. So they must have come to a place where they had repented. And word came to her that God had visited them and given them bread. There was food again. Therefore, she went out from the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her and they went on the way to to return to the land of Judah. 
Now I want you to notice some of the wording in this. She arose with who? Her daughters-in-law. That means they arose with her. Right? So she said, I'm moving. And you know, you can't just decide one day, I'm going to move. How many of y'all know it can take a little while? I'm going to move. All right, well, we got to start packing stuff up. we got to start doing things. So she arose with the daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. Therefore, she went out from the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her. Where are they? With her. her. So she arose with them. They're with her now. And who went? They went on the way to return to the land of Judah. So she gets up to move. They begin to make the journey. They're on their way together on the way to Judah. Then verse 8 happens. And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that you might find rest each in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them and they lifted up their voices and wept. Now, if you've been reading along, this makes absolutely no sense. She comes into the house. Girls, we're moving. Where are we moving to? We're going to the land of Judah. All right, let's go. And they start packing up the house. They start sweeping it out. If they rented it, they canceled the lease. If they owned it, they sold it. So they sold the thing. They got some money for it. And so now they're on their way. They've got the station wagon packed up. I guess I should say SUV now. They got it all loaded up. She's in the driver's seat. Ruth is either in the shotgun or she's in the back. Whatever it is, they're on their way. Now, can you imagine being on the way to the trip? You are on the way there, getting close to the border. All of a sudden, the driver pulls up, stops and said, hold on a minute. Y'all go home. Who does that? When was the time to tell them to go home? Way back when they sold the house. Way back when they decided to move. Hey, I'm going back. Y'all want to go home? I really don't have anything for you. How about if y'all go on home and I'm going to go back to Judah? Wouldn't that be the time to do it? Why is it that in the story in the Word of God, the details that we are given, one of those details is that Naomi says, we're all leaving, we're all going, we're all on our way. Oh, y'all go home. So I began to ponder that. I said, why, why does that happen? And I think it's kind of like this, because when you, when you were when you were growing up, and mom or dad came to you and said, we're going to the flower store. We need flowers for Resurrection Sunday. We're going to the food store. We need some groceries. How many have been in that situation? And how many are saying inside, I do not want to go to the grocery store. Don't like going to the grocery store. Don't want to go to the flower store. Don't want to do this. Why do I have to go? I can stay here, really. Think of the first time you started pleading your case. I don't want to go to the grocery store. Mom, I'm old enough. I can stay home. You plead your case. Eventually you won. Can you remember, can you remember the first day you won that argument? And you didn't have to go? Well, how many of you gave some subtle signals to mom and dad? That you didn't want to go. How many gave us some looks? How many of y'all know that look? <sighs> you got that look. You got that sigh. You got that expression. You got the tone in your voice. All of this communicates something to them, right? I don't want to go. But you're still going through the motions. You picked up your stuff. You got your coat. You're on your way out to the car. And then all of a sudden you're on the way to the car. Have you ever had it that mom or dad stopped the car and said, look, if you don't want to go, get out. (laughs) Then maybe something like that is going on here with at least one of the girls. That she's given some indication. All right, I'm going with you because I think I'm supposed to. But I really don't want to go. (laughs) This is not what I want to do. 
And so finally she she sees this going on and she pulls the two girls aside and says, look, you all have been so kind to me. She's not trying to be nasty with them. She doesn't stop and say, you all just get out of here. You don't want to go with me, then don't go. She doesn't. She says, look, you all have been kind with me. You have dealt with the dead and with me in a kind way. The Lord grant you that you may find rest each in the house of her husband. In other words, she's saying, I want you to feel blessed to go out there, find yourself another husband. And when you find that husband and you are settled down, I want you to be blessed in that. Just know that I am with you. I want things to turn for you. I want things to go good for you. You will go on back. And she kissed them and they lifted up their voice and wept. She's not sending them off in a way where they feel guilty and bad about going. She's sending them off in a way that says, thank you so much for all that you did. Thank you so much for how kind you have been, how faithful you have been. I just want to tell you how much I appreciate you. And y'all, just, just head on back home. It'll, it'll be better for you at home. I really do appreciate you coming along with me. But look, this is, uh, this is the way that you ought to go. Now, remember this statement. The Lord deal kindly with you. Remember that statement. And they said to her, surely we will return with you to your people. Now don't let that throw you. Don't let you, don't, don't make the, get the mistake in saying, well, they're really on board with going back. How many of you have said this? When your mom or dad turned around, they saw a bad attitude from you. Look, you can just get out. Go on home. And you know you're going to be in trouble when you got home. When she got back from the store, you're going to be in trouble. So what do you say? No, no, it's all right. I'm, I'll, I'll go with you. Right? Don't you say that? Haven't you said that before? No, it's all right. I'll go with you. I don't, inside. I don't really want to. <laughs> but I know I'll get in trouble if I don't. No, no, no. I'll go with you. No, no, no. Surely we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, <laughs> you're, not, you're not fooling me. Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Because this is the way they did things. If you didn't have husband, if you didn't have kids with the first one, then you'd uh, get a relative and you'd have the first baby would be that uh, dead husband's to carry on his line because that was important to them. Now that may gross you out. Maybe something, no, there's, you shouldn't do. It don't matter. That's how they did it. Not asking your opinion on the whole thing. That's how they did it. They look at some of the stuff that you did and say, you do what? I heard, I heard somebody say, you know, uh, we all, how many of y'all love indoor plumbing? How many love having a bathroom in the house? How many have more than one bathroom in the house? Yeah. Now think about this. The first people who put indoor plumbing in their house. Think about this. What? You brought that stinky outhouse into your house? Why in the world would you do that? They probably, Weren't looked on too kindly for, for that. What do you mean you brought that in the house? Oh, that's gross. But uh, now we think it's gross to do any, any other way. This is how they did it. Turn back, my daughters, go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband tonight, should also bear sons, would you wait for them till they were grown? Could you imagine that, her having a baby, little baby right there? Hi, you're going to be my husband in a little while. <laughs> she, she, she says, would you wait? Would you change the kid's diapers the whole time thinking, you're going to be my husband. We're going to have babies. I mean, she's saying, would you do this? No, you wouldn't do that. Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? No, my daughters, for it grieves me very much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Now, that's a key word right there. She sees God as being against her. What did she just say to her daughters? I want you to go on home. I want you to have husbands. And I want you to be blessed of the Lord. What's she saying on the inside? Well, I hope you guys get blessed of the Lord. He sure hasn't done anything good for me. My life's been terrible. Everything is bleak. But she's still talking up a good, a good uh, front here. Go and be blessed of the Lord. 
I want you to go and have husbands and just have a blessed family and may the blessings of God come down on you. But when she talks about her own life, God doesn't like me. Man, he's been, he's had his hand against me. Oh, I'll tell you what, I sure hope God doesn't deal with you the way he's dealt with me. Have you ever seen people who believe that God will do something, but it's just not for them? Mm-mm. No, my daughters, for it grieves me very much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. So she finally says, you know, it's one of those arguments. You know, the person says, look, I don't want you to do that for me. Oh, but I want to do it for me. No, 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 I really don't want you to do it. Oh, but I want to do it for me. No, 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 I don't want you. Okay. <laughs> it's one of those kind of arguments that went on. And so finally, uh, we've gone through the, the appropriate amount of times I'm supposed to say, oh, no, no, I'll do that. And uh, she went through the appropriate amount of time. She said, oh, no, no, you go ahead. And then finally, when we did all that, then, um, okay, I'll leave. And so she goes. But Ruth still clung to her. Then she said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you for whatever, for, for wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. And your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. The Lord do so to me and more also. If anything but death parts you and me. And when she saw that she was not determined, that she was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her. All right, now uh, we got we got Orpah out of the way, and Ruth is probably saying, "Man, I am so glad she is gone because she has been nagging me this whole way." Can you believe we have to go? I don't want to go. Do you want to go? I don't want to go. I keep hearing this. She's probably not saying it, Alec, but she's probably hearing this because you know if you have one person who does not want to make the trip, one sibling who doesn't want to do something, how many know that sibling feels very free to talk to all the other siblings about what's going on? I do not. Think I should have to do this. Why do I have to wash all the dishes? I wasn't the one who made them all. And we begin to, to talk very freely. But the mom and dad, oh, I'll be happy to do those dishes for you, mom. <laughs> right? But amongst the siblings, we're a lot more free. And so she heads on, on back. And now we finally got her out of the way. Ruth can say what's on her heart. And she doesn't just say, no, I'll go with you. She says something that just about every single person here could have quoted. And I heard some of you doing it. My God. Your God shall be my God. Where you die, I will die. Where you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I'm going to live right there. The people that are your people, they're going to be my people. And your God shall be my God. But she gave her a look that didn't say, please tell me to go home one more time. She gave her look, says, this matter is settled. And this is what's going to happen. Have you ever had that look from somebody? When you saw that look, you said, "Mm, okay, we are not. You went to your boss and said, can I have tomorrow off. And the boss said, what? Never mind. (laughs) You know, you saw the look. That look was all you needed. And that look said, oh, we're not. Nope, I'm going to be here. In fact, I'm going to be early tomorrow. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Has that look. She saw that she was determined. She didn't hear. She saw she was determined to go with her. So she stopped speaking to her. She says, all right, all right. We're just, that's how it's going to be. Verse 19. Now the two of them went until they came to Bethlehem. Where? Where did they come from? So they went home. And it happened when they had come to Bethlehem that all the city was excited because of them. And the woman said, Is this Naomi? It's been over 10 years. But she said to them, Do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara, For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. <laughs> 
All right, we know where she's at, right? Don't you call me blessed. Don't you call me good things. Uh-uh. I don't want to hear it out of your mouth. You don't know all the stuff that's going on with me. No, no, no. You call me you call me nasty stuff now. And you see, if I was engaged in my normal mode, I'd be breaking down all these names. But we're refraining. Because <laughs> the goal here is to get through two chapters. I'm already leaving that stuff. But we'll get to the gist of it. We'll get to the important stuff. I went out full. Really? Wasn't there a famine in the land? Wasn't there bad situations that you decided to leave to go get something else? You went out how? You went out full, huh? Don't we remember things poorly? You know, when you got trouble with your spouse, man, that girlfriend you gave up for them sure looks good right now. Right? Man, I stopped dating that guy to keep dating him. And now look at this. All we remember is good things. I always tell people this. There was a reason you broke up. There was a reason. You may not remember it so well right now, but there was a reason. Stop remembering things the wrong way. The enemy always wants you to remember stuff the wrong way because he wants you to go back to the old stuff. I went out full and the Lord has brought me home again empty. Can you hear the words she's been listening to from the enemy? You had so much over there and you came on down here and God just stripped it all from you. God's against you. God doesn't like you anymore. God has taken everything that was good from you. Why in the world are you serving that God? I want you to go around and proclaim the badness of God. <laughs> and that's what she's doing. Man, God's a bad God. He took me down. Oh, he just, I had so much before and now I got nothing. Don't call me by my given name, by my blessed name. No, no, no. Call me by a cursed name. Since the Lord has testified, I went out full and the Lord has brought me home again empty. Why do you call me Naomi since the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has afflicted me? Hmm. So Naomi returned and Ruth, the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab. Now they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. Verse 1 of chapter 2. There was a relative of Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth, the family of Elimelech. His name was Boaz. So Ruth, the Moabitess, said to Naomi, Please, let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him in whose sight I may find favor. And she said to her, go, my daughter. So she comes to the, to the mother-in-law. She says, look, we need some food. There's a field out over here. Uh, let me go over there and glean. Which basically means this. Let me go out to the field where the sun's really hot. With no equipment and no tools. I just use my bare hands. You probably can't even afford gloves. And I'll go out there and I will glean whatever I can find. I will scour the ground to see what kind of little bits of stuff they left behind. And I will gather those things up while being under the hot sun and bring them home for us. Because you see, when you're out in the field, there's no trees. They don't want the trees getting the sunlight. What do they want to get in the sunlight? The harvest. So we got to clear all that stuff out. So when you're out there in the fields, you're under the sun. Now, heat's one thing, but sun is another. I know when we were we got, go out running or if you go out working, if, uh, if it's hot, it can be difficult. How many of all know it can be difficult working in, in, in hot? But if it's hot and sunny, oh, oh man, I'll tell you what. I would rather run or work in 110 degree yeah, heat, far prefer it, than 90 degree heat and full sun. Far, far prefer it. Because that sun beating down on you. Oh, man, it just absorbs all that energy out of you. You know, I sometimes just dare that sun to take... I, I, I sometimes have scheduled runs at noon, between noon and two, just so I get under the sun. And I dare, you try and beat me. I'm going to whoop your butt. I tell that to the sun. I'm going to whoop you. There's no heat that's taking me out. 
And I remember one time I was up on the 202 bypass and there is no shade on the 202 bypass. Not at noon. The shade comes in when the sun gets behind the trees. But when you're at noon, that sun is beating down on you. You get sun the entire strip. All the way out, all the way back. It is full sun. And I went on out there and I got whipped. I was out there. I was about uh, six miles from home and I was running and it just drained everything out of me. Oh man, I just, I was beaked. That sun was hot. It was somewhere around 100 degrees in the day. And I remember that, that workout more than most workouts. I remember, oh man, I'm not, I'm having a hard time just, just finishing this thing, let alone getting out there and tell the sun I whipped you. I couldn't. I said, you whipped me today. <laughs> man, that sun is tough. This girl, this is what she's saying. Is it okay? If I go out and work under the hot sun while you stay here at home so I can get some groceries for us and bring them home for you here so you can eat. Is that okay with you if I do that? (laughs) Can you you imagine? Try and put this in perspective. Imagine being a parent or if you are a parent, imagine your kids coming in from one day while it's hot and sunny out there and say, Dad, it is a hot day outside. That sun is out. And look, I know it's a long cutting day, but I know you like to do this, but I'll tell you what, do you mind if I go out and cut the lawn for you today so that you can stay in here? I just want you to put your feet up, get yourself a nice cold soda, iced tea, whatever it is, and just relax. I'm going to go out and take care of this. How many of you, after you fell over (laughs) and picked yourself back up, would pinch yourself to see, am I dreaming? (laughs) This is what this girl is asking. Do you mind if I go out and work? Under the hot sun for you. Uh, oh, no, it's all right. Go ahead. And she said to her, oh, you can go. Yeah. All right, you can do it. Then she left and went and gleaned the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, which is of the family of others. She, she just, she just happened, right? She's wandering around the field here gleaning stuff. All of a sudden, she happened to come into this field. She's new. She doesn't know who belongs to what. She's in this field working. Happened to come into Boaz's fields. That's not all. Now behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And he answered him, The Lord bless you. So it just happened because the fields are not in the city. He was in the city doing whatever work, selling maybe some of the stuff, arranging to be selling the harvest that was coming in because they're out there, they're gleaning the harvest. means they got to have some people to buy it. So he goes into the city to get some people to buy it. And he just happens to come back to the field when Ruth happened to come onto his field. Right? Do you, do you get the idea here? Look how he comes to the reapers. These are the people that work for him. The Lord be with you. And he answered and said, what are you talking about? They didn't say that, did they? They didn't say, well, it's easy to say that when you're not under the sun. Apparently, that's not the relationship that's going on here. Apparently, Boaz has a really good relationship with his workers. He comes out. As soon as he gets back from the city, he comes out to the field where they are under the hot sun. And he greets them and says, the Lord be with you all. In other words, man, you all are doing such great work. Boy, I so appreciate how hard you guys are working. I want you to let you know we got it sold. We got some money coming in. We're going to have uh, uh, a, har- a harvest, not only in barley, but we got a harvest and money coming in. They've got people that want to buy it. All we got to do is get it to them. And they said, the Lord be with you. They understood he's going in there to sell this. doesn't matter if we bring all this stuff in. If we don't have a place to sell it, it's not going to do us any good. What a, what a great place. You know, we, there are some places that you work that create a good culture. And some places you work, they don't. He created a good culture in this place. Because he was a good guy. Then Boaz said to his servants who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? Now, this is not in the text, but I'm pretty sure it's there. Okay? <laughs> All right. Now, when you usually have reapers that came out in the field, what type of person are they? First off, we know the poor. Uh, they're unqualified for any other real paying job. 
Because if they had qualifications for another paying job, guess what they would be doing? Now, who most likely in the land of Israel is poor and unqualified for work? Women who do not have a husband. Because the husband's job was to bring the work, the money home. It's not theirs. Women who were still under their father's house, they brought in the money. Women who were widows are generally the ones that are going to be the reapers. So, of the people that are reaping out here, how many of them are women? Probably all. But how many does he notice? Why does he only notice her? couple of things here. Well, she's a very upstanding woman. I can tell just the way she carries herself. How many believe that that would be the case? Well, she's a very intelligent woman. I really appreciate her mind. How many would believe that would be the case? What do you think is probably the case here? All right, we'll put it in the modern day vernacular. Guys, who is she? She's hot. (laughs) I mean, right? That's what they're talking about here. He's basically saying, man, she's, she's pretty. Who, who is she? Which one? The one right there, the one with the, and he describes maybe something she's wearing or the color of her hair or something like that. That one right over there. Oh, her! Oh, whose young woman is this? Now, he doesn't just say, what's her name? He's saying, who does she belong to? Is she married to somebody? Is she wearing a ring? Is she somebody's daughter? What's going on here? Want to know what's happening? How many times has he come in to meet these guys and never asked about the women in the field. And all of a sudden, he's asking about this one. So the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered and said, It is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. And she said, Please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and has continued from morning until now, though she rested a little while in the house. What does that tell you? Not only Boaz is looking at this gal. I mean, doesn't that tell you that? Does he have the history of all the women that are here? But he's got hers. And in fact, he even kept his eye on her. She went back to the house for a little while. I saw that. <laughs> she hung out there because she she's hot. She got a little hot from the, from the work. And then she came right back out here. And... um She said, please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and has continued from morning until now. How do you know if somebody has continued from morning until now? How do you know that? Because he watched her. Who's he in charge of? Remember? He's in charge of the reapers. Is she a reaper? No. Which means (laughs) he's going over doing the extra. He's not over the gleaners, he's over the reapers. But as he's watching over the reapers, he keeps being distracted by the gleaners. One in particular, apparently. I said, yeah, she's, uh, she's been at it from morning until now. She's been going strong pace, strong pace. Took a little rest over there at the house to get out of the sun for a little bit, but man, she's been going. And she asked permission. How many people came by here and asked permission? That may have gotten with his, his attention first. He's probably thinking, girl, nobody asked permission. They just go out there and they get it. All right. Well, if you, you want, yeah, go ahead. Boaz said to Ruth, you will listen, my daughter, will you not? So he goes up right up to her. 
Do not go to glean in another field, nor go from here, but stay close by my young women. My young women. Not just the young women who are coming to glean. He's got women out there doing something. I want you to stay by them. And he goes up there and says, Look, I don't want you to go to anybody else's field to glean. You go to mine. <laughs> I want to keep my eye on you. So good. Do not go to glean in any other field, nor go from here, but stay close by my young women. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap, and go after them. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? See, this is a fear for some of them. The young women go on out there. You're in a field, bunch of men. You got no protector. If you're out there, that means you probably don't have a husband, and probably don't have a dad. Which means you're fair, te- fair territory as far as they uh, they all want to do. At least the ones with no no morals. And we know that in Israel there were some people with no morals. Read the book of Judges and find out. He said, I, I've got all the young men around. Now my young men are better young men than most. But I gathered them all around anyway so you'd leave that girl alone. Did he say that for all the others? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. In other words, all right, look, let them bring the water out. You just go up to the vessels that they brought the water in and you just go get some. Now, this does no good if he only tells her. I want to describe to you how he's doing this because this is the only way it would be effective. He's got the young men here and he brings Ruth, not the other women, Ruth here. Guys, hands off. Now, here's how it's going to work. You all keep getting the water like you have been doing. You are free to go and get their water. If you're thirsty, I want you to walk right up there and get the water. Got it? If she doesn't, if he doesn't say that and she comes over and takes their water, they can get upset. That's our water. We wouldn't draw that. So when you're thirsty, go to the vessels. Drink from the, what the young men have drawn. So she fell on her face, bowed down to the ground and said to him, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? In other words, she's saying, I am getting some special treatment here. No one else is getting this kind of, why am I getting this special treatment? I don't understand. I'm a foreigner. And Boaz answered and said to her, now look at this. It has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband and how you have left your father and your mother in the land of your birth and have come to a people whom you did not know before. Hmm. So either he did his research after he found out who she was or he knew who she was because he's a very powerful man in the city. And when he, when they said who she was, oh, she's that woman that came and he knew the other history he got. He was just in town and probably in town in Bethlehem. They all welcomed her back. They've been talking about her. Boaz says, uh, what's the news? Oh, did you hear the Naomi's back? She is. Oh, we haven't seen her in a while. Oh, yeah, she came back with her daughter-in-law. And they begin to describe all the situations and the things that happened, the things that Naomi had said about her. And so when he came back, he probably just came off of that report. He said, it has been fully reported to me. In other words, once the report came, he said he wasn't content with that. He went after the rest of it. Now, tell me the rest. Uh, what kind of a, what kind of a gal is she? What kind, he found out all about her before apparently he even came back. Something about the situation that just drew him to it. How you left your father and your mother in the land of your birth and have come to a people whom you did not know before. The Lord would pay your work and a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel under whose wings you have come for refuge. Wow. May God bless you for the work that you're doing. So apparently her coming back and sticking with the mother-in-law had some uh, cultural things to it. And uh, not everybody did it, but it was something that should have been done. Then she said, Let me find favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me and have spoken kindly to your maidservant, though I am not like one of your maidservants. I'm not one of Israelites. I'm a foreigner. But yet, uh, man, you've been so kind. Now Boaz said to her, at mealtime, come here and eat of the bread and dip your piece of bread in the vinegar. So that she sat beside the reapers and he passed parched grain to her and she ate and was satisfied and kept some back. Now, the idea of dipping bread in the vinegar and eating it, that's not my, that's not my thing. 
I, I, I wouldn't do it. If you came and said, here, dip your bread in the vinegar, I'd say, no, thank you. Don't, I don't need to do that. But apparently it was something that they like to do. Brother Les over there dips everything in hot sauce. I say, no. I say, no to hot sauce. He says, yes. <laughs> he says, yes, all the time. <laughs> we, we have fun with that. But you see, if you like it, then you're going to dip it. And so he says, I want you to come over here, come and eat. Anything you see in the table here, have at it. Go for it. How many of the young women that are gleaners or that are around or eat at the table? Hmm. Come here, eat of the bread and dip your piece of bread in the vinegar. So she sat beside the reapers. The reapers. Not the gleaners. There's no gleaners at this table. There's no special spot on the table for the gleaners. It's for the reapers. Boys, move over. Give her some room. And he passed parched grain to her. And she ate and was satisfied and kept some back. So she says, I'm not only going to eat what I want. I'm going to take some back for Naomi. And she was satisfied. She ate what she wanted and was satisfied and then kept some back. And she didn't feel bad about this. Hiding some of it or taking some of it put it in her pocket. I'm going to take it on back home. Also let the grain... Uh, I'm sorry, uh, verse 15. And when he rose up to... When she rose up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying... So she rose up from the table. They're at the table, right? The reapers are at the table. She's at the table with the reapers. They're all eating. They all got satisfied. They all get up to go back out to work. And before they go, this is what happens. Boaz commanded his young men, saying... In other words, she's there and they are there. Let her glean even among the sheaves and do not reproach her. Don't just make her take up the scraps. I want you to know it's okay for her to go here and get the stuff. You hear that, guys? If you see her, well, this gives her confidence because she wouldn't have known that she could do it just because Boaz said it. People out here in the field. No, the people that are out there in the field know she is authorized. Now, if you were one of the other gleaners and here's this foreigner on the field and she's in the spot you're not supposed to be, how'd you get over there? I was told I was okay. <laughs> and she's okay with going and doing it. She goes over there and she gets the, uh, the sheaves and she starts, she starts gleaning from there. Also, let grain from the bundles fall purposely for her. Leave it that she may glean and do not rebuke her. So he says, guys, I want you to do this. When you are harvesting that stuff, and you were getting the, the pay that I'm going to have. I want you to take some of it. And when she's back there, I want you to just, you know, drop some. And then she's going to come up and get it. All right? You got it? This is how we're going to do it. If she's not behind you, you don't have to do it. But if you see her behind you, oh, Ruth's there. Leave some for Ruth. Oh, here's some for Ruth. Oh, this is Ruth. Oh, here's some more for Ruth. Ruth, did you see this over here? This is what's going on. And don't go up there and rebuke her. Don't say, I can't believe that you got, this is part of our pay, you know. This is part of our harvest too. We get paid out of how much we do and I got to leave something for you. You better stop staking so much because you're taking out of my, he said, don't you rebuke her. Don't you do it. So she gleaned in the field until evening. This is on the first day. How many of best first day of work ever? So she gleaned in the field until evening and beat out what she had gleaned and it was about an ephah of barley. Then she took it up and went into the city and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned so she brought out and gave to her what she had kept back after she had been satisfied. So not only do you not have to prepare this to, to, to eat, I brought some food for you. And then we've got this extra. And her mother-in-law said to her, where have you gleaned today? Now, what in the world? No one brings home this. You are like the best gleaner in history. I've heard people come back from gleaning and they get this little tiny bit and you've got this whole effort. Holy cow. Where did you go? What did you do? Tell me the story. There's got to be a story behind this. This just doesn't happen. And then there's extra food. Really? Oh yeah, well, yeah, I'm good. 
Where did you, where did you work? Blessed be the one who took notice of you. <laughs> she already knows. Somebody took notice of you. Somebody saw you out there. So she told her, her mother-in-law whom she had worked for, or whom she had worked, and said, the man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. She just, why is Boaz? I don't know. Some guy named Boaz. Nice guy too. I don't know. He's had me eat with him. And Naomi said to her, daughter-in-law, blessed be he of the Lord who has not forsaken his kindness to the living and the dead. Naomi said to her, this man is a relation of ours, one of our close relatives. Hmm. Now see, now Naomi speaks blessings, language of blessings, but only because she saw the change. You notice that Ruth never got to a place where her vocabulary was that of cursing? Seeing God against her? She never said that. She's the one who lost her husband too. She's the one who has no place to go. She's the one who sold out and committed to come to Israel. She's the one who did this. But she never said, man, it just isn't working out for me. Now I have to go out there and and be a gleaner. How many of you know, you don't, you don't have to do any kind of research on this to figure it out. If you want an occupation that you can stand up and say, I'm a, and whatever it might be, the blank line would not be filled in, filled in by gleaner. What do you do for a living? I'm a gleaner. <laughs> wow, are you really? Oh, how did you ever get to be a gleaner? That is so awesome. That must be fantastic to go out in the heat of the day. For scraps. Man, that must be great. And everybody pick on you because you're out there. And you never know what kind of dangers look around the corner. Oh, that must be. I've always wanted to be a gleaner. I just never qualified. Doesn't do that. Verse 20. This man is a relation of ours. One of our close relatives Ruth the Moabite said, He also said to me, You shall stay close by my young men till they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with this, these young women, that, your, that people do not meet you in any other field. So she stayed close by the young women of Boaz to glean until the end of barley harvest and wheat harvest, and she dwelt with her mother-in-law. Stayed with her mother-in-law, went over there in the fields every day. She'd get up, She'd go over to the fields and she'd glean. Boaz didn't have him package all this stuff up for him. She had to come out there and get it. But he was watching her. He was watching her. I put this question in your outline today. What can your faithfulness tolerate? How much endurance do you have for disappointment and difficult times? You see, a lot of people will stay faithful as long as they keep seeing good things coming in. As long as they still see the blessings of God somewhere in their life, they'll stay faithful. But the moment that they get into a place and it seems like everything is going bad, it seems like things are getting bleak. I don't like my job. I don't like the people I'm around. The people that I thought were my friends, they all left me. The people that I thought were a blessing in my life are no longer there. The things I thought were good are now gone. The things I thought were bad have now increased. Things are bleak. And now I am a gleaner. I am one who gleans. I don't have a husband. I don't have a family. I don't really have a place in this country. And I have to go out in the fields and demonstrate to people every day I am nobody. But she never had let her disposition get down. We never hear unfaithful words coming out of her mouth. We never hear words coming out of her mouth like we heard out of Naomi. God has cursed me. God has come against me. We never hear that coming out of her mouth. Ruth stays faithful. Naomi turns until she sees things starting to come back. But the things did not come back because of Naomi. They came back because of Ruth. Because Ruth did not let her faithfulness
be bothered by what she saw. Her endurance was higher than many of us probably would have. And she stayed. And she stayed. And when she was given the opportunity to go back on home, and she stayed in what looked like the most bleak thing, but down in her spirit, down in her spirit, she says, I go back home, the gods of this country that I turn my back on will become my gods again. Now, Naomi, my life has changed because I have been with you. So this is in the text, but this is what's going on. My life has been changed as long as I have been with you. I have made your God my God. And down on the inside of me, I have peace where I didn't have peace. I have joy where I didn't have joy. I am glad when I shouldn't be glad. And that is all because of the God of the Hebrews. So let me tell you here right now, I am not leaving your side. I don't care how bleak it looks with you. I am staying with you. I am staying with your God. And the people that you call your people will become my people. The God that you serve will become the God that I serve. Wherever you go, I'm going to go there. Wherever you die, I'm going to die there. Wherever you're buried, I'm going to be buried. Where you worship, I'm going to worship. And you will not be able to get rid of me because I love what God has done in my life. And no matter how bleak it is, I do not blame this on God. Because on the inside of me, I have been given joy. I have been given peace because I have pursued and gone after my God. And I will not give this up. Not for anything. Orpah walked away. She walked away from it. But Ruth does not. This is Palm Sunday. This is the day we remember when Jesus came through the temple or through the gate triumphantly. And the people were so glad that he was there. And they rejoiced and they put the palm branches down and their clothes down and he came across on the donkey. They were all so happy. But their faithfulness did not endure very much. Because when people said, we forsake him, they decided to forsake him. When things didn't go quite the way they wanted, they decided to go a different way. You see, their faithfulness had no endurance. They weren't Ruth. But Ruth was one. These things may not be going exactly the way that I want them to. They may not be going exactly the way I envisioned them. But I will remain faithful to my God. He has become my God. He's not just your God. I will be faithful to Him. And I would rather die being faithful to God than live in abundance with the gods of the Moabites. And so she stayed. How much can your faithfulness endure? Are you serving God in a capacity that you say, this is beneath me? This is nothing. Why in the world am I doing this? Have you seen other people that have turned around, they quit? Are you being drawn into that type of a mentality? Are other people talking about how bad God has been to them and how things are not working out? Are you being pulled into that type of thinking and that type of talking? But you see, the faithful stay with it. The faithful don't let it go. The faithful say, my God said I don't complain. My God says I don't rebel. My God says I don't murmur. My God says I speak blessings. So I will speak blessings. I will not engage in these other things, not because other people do it, but because my God told me to do it. And I will stay faithful and I don't care what I see. I don't care what changes. I don't care if I hate my job. I don't care if if the people that I work with don't like me. I will continue to be faithful. Because if I am faithful with small things, I'll be faithful with more. Now next week we'll finish this off. But we're just going to jump ahead a little bit. How much better do you think it is for the young men who sat at the table with Ruth, who treated her the way Boaz said to treat her, who were faithful to the words of Boaz, who when Boaz wasn't looking or was in town, didn't treat her poorly. Because in not too long a time, she went from being a gleaner to the woman of the house. 
And how many of y'all know if the if you wrong the woman of the house? And she's elevated very quickly. Just like Joseph. If you wronged the woman of the house, when she became the woman of the house, she's coming looking for you. And it won't go well. All she has to say to Boaz, this guy right here? Yeah. Guess what? How grateful do you think those reapers were that they honored the words of Boaz? You see, be faithful always. Because you never know when those that were under you are now over you. When those who are watching you are watching how faithful you are in gleaning because they got their sights set on something else for you. No matter what it is that you do. How was it? Martin Luther King Jr., his words? I love that one speech. If you're a street sweeper, (laughs) be the best street sweeper you can be. You see, no matter what it is that you do, be faithful. Because that's what the Word of God tells us. Whatever you do, do it faithfully as unto God. No matter what job you have, no matter what capacity you serve in, whatever you serve in, I want you to do it as in I am doing it unto God. Because just as Boaz was watching Ruth, God is watching us. And there's a purpose for Boaz watching Ruth. I got a couple more surprises for you next week. You have probably read over this story. You may not have seen a few of the things we're going to pull out for you next week about Boaz and about the relationship between him and Ruth. You all know they got married. But there's some stuff in there that you may have missed. And it's kind of important for you to know about the faithfulness of Ruth and the faithfulness of Boaz. Would you all stand up with me? What can your faithfulness tolerate? What can your faithfulness tolerate? How much endurance do you have? Get your endurance up. It's imperative. Don't let what other people do, what other people say, how other people act, affect your faithfulness. You have to be faithful to your God with what your God said to do. Father, I thank you that you have your eye on us. You not only watch the sparrows, but you watch us. And you're You're looking. You want to see. How faithful are we with what everyone is saying is such a little task? Nothing of any importance. How faithful are we? You have your eye on us for the purpose of promotion, for the purpose of blessing. And I thank you, Father, that we shall Be faithful. Our endurance will increase and people will not bring us into a place of being unfaithful. We give you the praise and the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Sister Marguerite. Good morning, everyone. I am so grateful to be able to stand before you today and to just Um, say happy uh, Palm Sunday. We know that this time that we're in that we uh, celebrate the fact that uh, Jesus walked the walk that he did for three and a half years on this earth and then uh, was uh, buried, crucified, buried, and rose. And we'll be celebrating that season next week. But all during this time, we're just grateful to God for all the things that he has done. Um, Greeting also those of you that are uh, joining us by way of Facebook. And we've just enjoyed uh, the teaching that has been so rich as we do each and every week. So I trust that the uh, all that you've heard today, that you'll just take it in and allow God to use it in the way that he sees fit to help us through the week 
that we all will encounter different things for different ones of us, but that we will use what we've heard today through the worship, through the singing, through the uh, ministry of the word, that we will use it to allow God to uh, bless us and to work in our lives um, come in this coming week. Um, I want to just mention that um, there will be no midweek service uh, and we will be having Good Friday service. It will be starting at 7 p.m. So we hope that all of you will join us for that joyous occasion. And um, Resurrection Sunday, which will be next Sunday, we will start the sunrise service at 7 a.m. And uh, breakfast will follow at 8.15. And then we'll have our regular Sunday morning service. It will begin at 9.30. And we just hope that each and every one of you and tell a friend and um, others to come and join us as we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We have some uh, prayer requests today. Um, Brother Jolly is uh, trusting the Lord for a safe trip to uh, Georgia as he travels there. And um, Jolly Jr. is uh, asking that we agree with him for healing and fast recovery of a hamstring uh, sprain. And also for safe trip to Florida, he has uh, a music concert there tomorrow. So um, that is something that we'd like to keep in mind. Uh, Sister Rashawn is asking prayer for her mother. She fell, um, and they're going to start, uh, uh, I guess, uh, tests to see why the falls are occurring. And she just wanted to ask prayer for the doctors to have the wisdom to know um, the cause of the falls and um, that they're able to regulate her heart rate. Sister Candy is asking prayer for a friend of hers that has been told he has uh, an aggressive form of prostate cancer. And um, he's not worried about it because she says that he's a true believer. And that's that's a, uh, something that we can always know. We desire healing for our bodies, and as we go through this life, we um, thank God for his healing power. And this person, though, has shared with her that um, he is ready to go. So we should all live a life that we want to be ready. We don't say we're, you know, ready to get the the load right now, you know, to go to heaven, but we should all live a life that we want to be ready, that when we go to meet the Lord, um, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Uh, Sister Ethel is saying that um, she's giving a praise report that uh, during, um, I guess it was last week, she had an issue with her eye and it required some treatments uh, that she had to go through to find out the cause, I guess, and the solution. And she's indicating that she knows that God did not bring the uh, the eye issue. But the time that uh, she was dealing with that, uh, the Lord used it as a time of encouragement and to reveal some things to her. And it was a time of refreshing. So she praises God for that. Um, I just pray that each and every one of you will enjoy the rest of your day. And just remembering, like I said, this season that we are in and thanking um, the Lord Jesus Christ for going to the cross for us and uh, that we can just even now just thank him and praise him. And just uh, next week we'll come together and celebrate uh, the resurrection of our Savior. So go today and just have a wonderful rest of your day. God bless each and every one of you. Thank you.